Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot, known locally as a February room, is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite developments, fly rods, and fishing accessories. Tech, precision, ingenuity, legacy. Go to cdfishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Here's your host, Lauren Carnoff, and this is the February Room. Welcome to the February Room. Today I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Jessica Hadel. Uh, she's a professional photographer with a lot of her work being published in multiple fly fishing magazines. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I've obviously I've stalked you on Instagram and your photography is insane. You tend to capture the action shots so beautifully. And a lot of those are obviously the fishing, um, the fishing world. And I imagine that you might have some before we get into who you are, I'd like to hear a fishing story. Yeah. Um, well, the first one that comes to mind would be uh, my very first time fishing. 
Um, I actually made a short film about it that's uh, in the, uh, I won the Amateur Fly Film Festival for Rio, and it's in the IF4 right now in the intermission. Um, I know that the movie isn't, the you know, IF4 isn't traveling right now, but uh, due to COVID, but uh, you can see the film there, and it's about uh, fishing with my dad in Norway when I was three years old. And so it's just always something that's really stuck in my brain because I never thought that you know, when I started uh, fishing at the age of three, we were ice fishing and it was really cold and we didn't catch anything. Um, I just never thought that, you know, however many, many, many years later, I would be in the fishing industry and, you know, my whole life would basically uh, be changed and in in, in rotate around the fishing industry. So it's always just kind of stuck out in my, my brain. My dad's Norwegian and he is awesome and we were I was three my sister was four and we flew to Norway with him and you know we went out onto this big fjord and it was freezing and I remember I threw my gloves off and he caught some sort of a little eel kind of worm thing (laughs) it was not successful but it was just a really cool experience and I'm like and I remember it so vividly um, par- probably because we also took some photos of it. It's the most memorable fishing story that basically launches my life. The way I look at it, it just launches me forward into the fishing industry and, um, you know, having a, a career now specializing in the sports fishing industry as a photographer. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think one of my most early experiences was actually ice fishing in northern Wisconsin with my uncle. And um, luckily, it was just kind of, I, I remember thinking it was such an odd sport because we would just put the flags out and sit inside the cabin and just kind of do this waiting chess game and we all got to choose which hole was ours and so with my two sisters and as soon as there was a flag up like we did it (laughs) which is awesome and it's funny because like um I do go on quite a few so I shoot I would say 95 percent of my work is in the conventional tackle world of the sports fishing industry um you know most of the major companies have more funding to pay for commercial shoots for the commercial side or for the uh, conventional tackle side uh, or whether that's saltwater bass fishing walleye uh, so the fly fishing section of what I do in my industry is probably about five percent of my work is more focused on fly fishing um, which and, and I tend to fly fish more myself but it, it's just interesting that most people's first experiences fishing are generally conventional because it's more accessible it's you know cheaper <laughs> um and, Probably a lot and more success. A lot more success a lot of the time. Um, and so, you know, it's funny because I do photograph a lot of um, ice fishing now. I get sent to, uh, let's see, this year I got sent to South Dakota right before COVID kind of shut things down. And last year I got sent to, oh, way up in northern Ontario. It was so, so, so cold. And it's funny because they have huts and all these little flags. And I keep, I kept thinking, I was like, well, we didn't have that when I was three when we went ice fishing in Norway. It was so cold. And <laughs> I didn't know we could have like little flags and and huts and heaters and let's see um, we had an igloo kind of um, a vehicle this year that had big skids on it that was heated that we could keep all our equipment in for the photo shoot Um, and so I think as time has gone on it's become a little bit more luxurious than when I first originally remembered ice fishing so um, times have changed from when you were three years old I can't believe that (laughs) so how did you get into uh photography and especially kind of the outdoor photography yeah so um basically 
I've always been a very creative person at drawing, whether we're making things. Uh, my mother is, a, is, I would call her an artist. Uh, she paints, she's a beautiful painter. Um, my mom is also, you know, she was an English major and graduated first in her university class. Like she's just, she's very good with words and writing stories. And so um, I didn't get that aspect, unfortunately, but the artistic kind of side kind of, kind of, I think went my direction in terms of just being very, you know, unable to focus on, on <laughs> regular studies, always just drawing. Now I was not a great drawer, you know, cartoonist or whatever. I was not great, but that's all I would do. And so uh, I remember that I started going on more like little trips with one of my best friends. I grew up with a, a neighborhood boy across the street from me and uh, the two of us would do everything together and go everywhere. And I started going on a lot of little trips with his family over the summers in between, you know, my sports and just anything that I was doing uh, regularly. And so I started taking a point and shoot camera with me and we're talking about, I was maybe about seven, eight, maybe. And my mom would then pay for development of the film or my mom and dad would pay to develop my film when I got home. And it was just like, it was pretty horrible. She would look at the photos <laughs> and she's like, what were you taking a photo of? And I'm like, you know, the light was coming through the cloud and it was hitting this barn and it just looked so pretty. But I was using like a cheap disposable, like point and shoot camera. So right away, I was never going to be able to achieve what I was visually seeing through my eyes. Um, and so as I got a bit older um, and I got my I got into high school, I finally had an opportunity to take a photography course. And my mom had a 1974 uh, Minolta uh, SR or something like that film camera. And she had this film camera for years and she always took great photos with it. And so finally, when I got into high school, she said, OK, you can use this camera if you learn how to use it correctly and then we'll pay for development of your film <laughs> so as soon as i got into high school and i learned how to use a dark room and i learned how to um take photos and how to use the camera how to change my shutter speed how to change my f-stop things changed right away and so anyways very long story short i um I just became obsessed with it and I was always, you could find me in the dark room uh, if I was not playing sports because I played um, uh, high performance hockey. If I was not, you know, at the rink or training, I was photographing and then I ended up, uh, my dad built me a dark room at our, at my parents' house in a little, wow. you know, shed out back. So the uh it just stuck with me it just stuck the passion for it the mechanical feeling and the mechanical sense you get the tactile feel of a camera um i think there's something to that and then as i progressed um i went to university i got a business degree because i was playing hockey in in the u.s and i didn't know what i wanted to do after i graduated so why not go back and do more school right uh <laughs> So I did a two-year professional photo imaging diploma program in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, after that, it launched my career into being a professional full-time photographer. I did a practicum with the Vancouver Canucks. So I shot in the NHL and I ended up leading, uh, that wow. ended up leading to full-time uh, work with the NHL and Getty Images right out of the gate. Like my career just got launched. And that is how kind of the sports action side of it um, kind of, fell into my path and um 
the one thing about NHL players is they really love to fish, most of them. <laughs> and so basically I got asked, I, I was assisting for the head photographer and I was shooting at the, at the arena and getting paid to do that. And he asked if I would be interested in covering a, a conventional salmon fishing derby up in uh, northern British Columbia at an island called Haida Gwaii. It's an incredible place. It's the most northern island you can go to. And it is uh, named after the Haida people that are you know, native to the island there. And uh, so I got sent up there to, and I, you know, it's where humpback whales, killer whales, bald eagles. I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. You fly in in a helicopter. And so I was like, yes, I will do that. No problem. And so they sent me up there and um, I grew up boating my whole life. And my dad was a tugboat captain for 47 years. So I grew up on the ocean. And so being on the ocean and photographing ended up just coming together in my life somehow super quickly and um, here we are gosh 14 15 years later um, and I actually still shoot for that salmon lodge this is the first year I won't be doing it because of COVID but um, but yeah it's just uh, it's stuck and then next thing you know it just launched my career in the fishing industry but I do like to say that I I yes I specialize in the sports fishing industry but I am a photographer from the get-go so that you know i'm not a fishing photographer you know in terms of you know, i classify my, classify myself as specializing in it but i feel like i'm a i'm a very well-rounded photographer because i've shot everything from weddings engagement photos you know real estate it, you if you want to be a professional photographer you really do need to just start and then specialize as you become um you know, as you have more experience in it and as you have more years behind you and um, then you can slowly start to specialize in the industry you want to be in. And, and that's what I really recommend to people. Do you feel that you've been wanting to specialize in more of the outdoor fishing industry? Is that kind of like where you want your specialty to be in? Yeah. So about, oh gosh, I would say since 2012 is when I started to specialize in the, in the fishing world. Um, I started getting sent to Panama to shoot marlin fishing because the salmon lodge I worked for opened a marlin connection. And then that that right away launched me into the magazine world. Um, so I contribute to um, a massive variety of conventional tackle magazines. And then also I contribute to fly fishing magazines too. Um, and so, you know, that specialization started to take place around 2012 is when I really started to cut out all my other work and really just be able to focus and make, a, a, um, make an income uh, directly off of just sports fishing and not having to shoot as many weddings. And then as a, as a time has gone on, I, I basically maybe shoot one wedding every, oh, every three, four years if it's someone I know. Do you have in a, a moment when you were doing a fishing shoot where you're like, this is the best gig ever? I was, so I was shooting all this salmon stuff, uh, back in, I think 2007, 2008 is when it really started. Uh, and I actually wanted to stay shooting NHL stuff. I mean, that was like my dream. I was a hockey player. I played again. I played the highest level I could as a female outside of the Olympics. So I like, that was my life for so long that when school ended, I was like, Oh wait, I'm a woman in sports. So I'm not going to make millions. <laughs> 
and it's 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 awful it's terrible to know yeah. that you train your whole life just as hard as your male counterparts but there is no avenue for you after or it's very few mm -hmm. avenues for women after and um so you know it kind of was a stark realization when i was ending school so getting to shoot in the nhl was my dream i mean i have uh, shooting that editorial kind of style and photographing sports. And I kind of migrated and I shot NBA off CFL. And then I've shot some of our, uh, you know, not uh, Major League Baseball in Canada, but um, our Farm League team. So I was in the sports world. I shot soccer, MLS soccer, the professional league. And I was shooting all this editorial stuff. I was uploading to Getty. But honestly, the money and the... Um, the amount of photographers in that there it, there's a lot of photographers the market is re really incredibly saturated and there's not a lot of money in it and newspapers unfortunately are slowly dying so it was kind of like that career choice was not going to maybe be the best idea so i was shooting everything and anything but i was spending my whole summer shooting sa this for the salmon lodge up in northern bc now they ended up hiring hiring me i created a photo program and i spent the whole summers up there driving my own boats around chasing down people with big salmon releasing them and uh just photographing whales and just like the coolest stuff and so they eventually sent me to panama in 2011 and I remember when I first saw my first marlin, and <laughs> it was the very first um, call we got. I was out there as a chase boat, which never happens. For those of, of for those of you who are listening, who either fly fish mar for marlin or who have gone conventionally uh, fishing for marlin, most of the people know you are very far offshore and you're not around a lot of boats when you're fishing, unless you're on a reef or something. You're, you're usually well, you know, way away from everybody. So we were chasing, we had this one boat with clients on it and they just said to us, um, stay close by, we'll radio if you hook, we'll radio you if we hook into a fish because they knew we needed content. And so I remember we got the radio call, we kind of, we cruised over to them and this thing exploded out of the water. And it was like a, it was like a dinosaur. And I just remember it so vividly. And I, here I am with a big 300 millimeter lens, bracing myself like legs up on the gunnel, like pushing my back into the back of the seat. You know, if you're fly fishing or conventionally hooked into like a billfish, your stand up tackle and you're kind of pushing yourself against the seat with your rod and reel trying to hold yourself there. So I was doing that with my camera. I'm like, if it works for fishing, it's got to work for me, right? So I'm like, pushed I've, I like I'm basically created my body into like the biggest tripod possible because we are just getting tossed in the boat and um this thing erupts from the ocean way in the air and if you've never seen a marlin jump in or a sailfish as well it's it's spectacular so here I am like just spraying uh so I call it spray and pray when you just hold your finger on the trigger button and you just hope to god you're getting the image um, and so I have like a shot of the fish's bill, then I have a shot of the water, then I have a shot of the air because, you know, remember the boat's also going up and down and you're just like, when you're shooting through a 300 mil lens, it's like you're looking through a scope of a gun and you're attempting to hit, watch your target while you're moving and while the fish is moving. And so anyways, this just was like, it was so fast. It was just happening so fast. And then the captain on the other boat radioed us in again. And he was like, okay, back in closer. We've got hit. Like, and this doesn't happen very often either because most captains 
you don't know where the fish is going and the fish could just take off and head another direction. It's very unpredictable. But this captain was like, okay, we've got the fish in close. We've almost got the leader. You can back in more. So we backed in more. I lined it up and this fish exploded perfectly right in front of my lens. And I just hit the button and I ended up shooting the best shots I've ever gotten in my entire fishing career, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, because this never happens. You're never on a chase boat. You never really have an opportunity to shoot that perspective from another boat and to be able to get so close. And so we got, it got these images, the fish got released. The, the, the owner of the company's on the boat with me and he jumps down. He's like, did you get it? And we're looking at the back of my camera and both of us just stood there like, oh my gosh, I can't like with, you imagine you can see the, the eyeballs looking at me uh, from this fish and crazy enough, the captain of the other boat ended up becoming my husband years later. So, no you know, it, it was just the soon we were in Panama. We were in the, off the Darien jungle in Panama and, um, my husband's from Texas and he was running a private marlin fishing operation. It just happened to line up that that boat was out there. I didn't know him. I'd never met those people on the boat or anything. And so uh, that, that image ended up, uh, there's a series of images of that fish perfectly in frame, eyeballs looking straight at me. And it made two covers of a magazine and then the image got ran a ton more. Um, but, uh, you know, it just... Uh, that it was like that moment i was like oh i think there's a career in this i think there's a career in sticking with the sports fishing industry there's got to be and so um and i and i attribute all my work i did with the nhl with all the sporting events i did that quick like spraying and pray and like quickly having to react you don't have time to set the shot up you're just going 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 and I think that's what made me successful shooting that billfish kind of stuff. And I don't get to shoot that much billfish anymore just because I'm now living in landlocked Montana. And I've tra <laughs> I, tra you know, I still go on shoots for companies to shoot that offshore kind of stuff. But um, I get to, I shoot a lot of walleye and bass and then uh, fly fishing, uh, you know, stuff. So I'm, I'm more on the commercial product side of it now, which is great because it's um, super interesting and fun. But um you know, I think I attribute a lot to having that sporting background, allowing me to be successful as a photographer in this part of the industry. Um, I know that you said, um, talking about kind of like how the sporting, you know, that your whole life was dedicated to this sport and then it kind of timed out for you just because being a female. Um, do you ever feel that being kind of in the outdoor industry, being a female photo outdoor photographer, um, do you feel that it's hard being a female? in that industry? Yeah. I mean, there, there have been some barriers. I've definitely ran into situations where people are like, eh, it's kind of a boy's trip and I don't get invited to go photograph like bluefin tuna or something because they just, they've decided it's a boy's trip where I do, I just, I like to do the things the boys like to do. So I want to go on those trips, yeah. but, um, I am the, uh, only full-time commercial fishing photographer in the industry. Wow. There is another girl, uh, Jess, uh, same name, Jess. Um, she uh, shoots more on the editorial, uh, fly fishing side, but I am, as far as I know, if there are any other females out there shooting full-time commercial work, hundred percent of your work is in the fishing side of the industry. Awesome. H hit me up. Let me know. Cause I'd love to chat more with, uh, with people who, um, 
who I have more in common with in that regard. Um, and so really in the fishing side, there's like just two of us and, and Jess is in the fly fishing side and I'm uh, all in the conventional and then some in the fly and um, that's it. And I think there's a benefit to that in some regards. You know, I, I think that uh, when I get hired to do shoots, a lot of the time I'm on someone's boat all day and it's just me and I, I'm shooting, um, you know, 95% males. I, I uh, don't get to shoot females in the industry as much, but I do do a lot of work with my really good friend, Captain Mo Newman, Monique Newman down in uh, Venice, Louisiana. And I shoot for her company, Journey South Outfitters, her and her husband's company. And they're awesome. They do fly and conventional and they're just awesome people. And a lot of companies and brands work with them. So I go shoot for the companies and brands with them down in Venice. And we've done a ton of magazine spreads with that and and everything. And um, so anyways... Um, I think though some of the benefits are when I am working with guys, I think doing kind of um, photo shoots, I feel like people get pretty comfortable pretty quickly. Um, I think that that is a benefit maybe of being a female in the industry. Um, you know, and I, I, I guess I'm a little biased when it comes to that because I think, you know, I try to take like a joking kind of fun approach to our photo shoots and generally can mesh with a lot of the guys really easily. And, but, you know, at times I have to be like, okay, boys, we're not here to fish all the time. Just remember who's footing your bill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the commercial company is paying for it. So you kind of have to listen to me for a second. So sometimes I have to, you know, have to get out there and get on them in terms of them listening to me. It's Because boys, when you put fishing rods in their hand, all of a sudden they like, they forget that they're there <laughs> on someone else's dime paying for like a trip in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. So do you ever feel like you have more to prove though? Like, because sometimes, like you said, they're like, oh, this is a boys fishing trip. And you're like, hey, let me just show you what I'm all about. Well, it's it's not necessarily the companies who are hiring me that I feel like I, I think I proved myself. I've been in the industry long enough and uh, I've been um, published and, 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 and sending in editorial work yeah. enough, uh, photo editorial work. I think at this point, like, I feel like I have, um, you know, I, I, I do think that people... Um, know who I am because again I'm the you know the only female out there I have as, as I had told you yeah. uh, before we started recording I am the only Jessica Hadel in the world so like <laughs> I think like um that that helps like people you know have heard maybe heard of me and I'm not trying to make myself sound like no. super important here because in the grand scheme of things it's just fishing photography but I think that the where I do find that it's um where it can happen is when I go on photo shoots and maybe I'm photographing like the top bass fishermen or something and they've never heard of me. They don't know who I am. I don't like go and follow the, the FW circuit or the, you know, the bass pro circuit or anything like the, I've been to bass masters. I've shot there, but th those guys don't know who I am. And, Quite frankly, I don't really know who they are, even though they might be like the top fast. That's great. And I'm super happy. And I, but what I ask is people just trust, like trust that I know what I'm doing. And, um, I trust you as a bass fisherman to know what you're doing. So there's definitely been some pushback, but you know, what gets them is you just have to show them so that. So usually the photo shoots are a couple days. Usually after we're done the shoot, uh, we wrap for the day. Generally, we all go for dinner. And then you know what I do is I get my computer out. I just show them some images. I just have to show them a couple images. And they're like, oh, man, well, you know what we could do tomorrow? We can do this, this, and this. And, like, <laughs> they get, like, so excited. Yeah. And this happens all the time. And it makes me excited because then if I can work with someone who wants to collaborate on images, and, again, 
they're the professional in their section of the industry. So if I'm shooting, say, spay fishing, the person who's doing it is generally going to be well more knowledge than I am or way more, like have more knowledge and more skill than I have. So for them to tell me, like, I'll say, hey, this would be really cool if I could shoot into the sun and you could rip your spay line right past my lens. Can you do that? Would this be something you would do? And they would say, yeah, for sure. Let's do this. And they'll do it. And that's the thing is I have to trust the people that I'm working with, that they are the professionals in their industry. They know what they're doing. They'll also let me know if like, yeah, Jess, we wouldn't hold the fish like that. Or we wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't like, I remember I have actually convinced a couple bass guys to lip, um, lip their bass fish and or release them by bellying them like holding them on the belly and releasing them and they just they don't do that and i said just just like try for a second i managed to convince them and we ended up getting some like really cool just the fish just above the water and a reflection of the fish perfectly in the water and the guy just holding it just cradling the fish on by the belly like we would do with a trout and um after he saw it he's like oh damn i haven't i've never seen this in the bass world and i'm like yeah it's kind of a trout thing (laughs) but i'm like it still looks cool and so i know where to push it and where to back off and also just like ask like people can continually is this something you would do or would you cast this way or um you know would you tie this bait on perfectly like this and so i think it's a collaboration and that's what really makes this kind of photography really successful in the end well and don't they normally just kind of with bass fishing they just kind of grab them by the lip and then just fling them in the air and drop them back in the fling water? them in the boat yeah. <laughs> yeah and most of the time i have them laying on their sides grabbing the lip and i just need that one motion it's really hard as a photographer to track from the water like so i have a wide angle lens i'm standing in front of the guy and he's got the fish at just below the surface of the water and as he lifts it up and flings it into the boat you look think of the motion that i have to do to attempt to keep my focus point on that fish as it swings past me yes it's very hard so bass are a very hardy fish so certain fish you can take your time with and you can um, stage things a little bit more i hate to say stage because it's not like we're modeling the fish or posing them but it's like do the lift from the water up three times put it in the water lift it up swing it past me three times so you you have to break things up into certain sections to kind of get some of these shots sometimes when it comes to marlin fishing you're doing whatever that marlin wants you to do that's basically the bottom line i don't photograph marlin out of the water i don't want to be a part of anybody pulling a fish out of the water with it when it comes to billfish why is that because it's harmful on the fish. So unless you're going to har- harvest a billfish, there's you have no right to take it out of the water as far as I'm concerned. Um, it, in Florida, it's against the law. Uh, if you want to keep your fish and harvest it, you can then pull it out of the water. But it's against the law in Florida to actually pull your fish out of the water. As you pull it out of the water to photograph it, you're scraping up the side of it. So you can actually see billfish that have been uh, harmed that way. Also, billfish are like tuna. They continually need to be moving to have water flowing through them for them to breathe. It's not like a bass or a trout that can just, we cradle it in the net in the water and we try to keep it healthy in that regard. Billfish need to have water flowing through their system to survive. I think it's in the pelagic species of fish need that. So there are many places in the world that it's against a lot of harvest marlin and harvest bill uh, sailfish. I have no problem with you harvesting it if you're harvesting it for food. Um, 
you know, if you're doing it for record, that's your own choice. Yeah. Um, but there are very few people who also can pull a five, six or 800 pound Marlin out of the water yes. for a photo. Yes. And if it jumps in the boat, you better be jumping out of the boat to protect yourself so you don't get hurt. <laughs> I have been on boats where they have harvest fish before. And again, like that's not up to me. That's their personal preference. Sure. But uh, if I'm down in Florida photographing, I'm not a part of any kind of harvesting. What we can do, which is really cool, is I get the, the mate will be leaning over the boat generally, always holding the bill of the fish. And the captain has the boat in gear. And they do that so they can get the water. Sometimes you need to give these, these fish a bit of a break. So you get the water flowing through their gills and the mate is leaning over the side of the gunnel down in, you know, with his hand right above the surface of the water holding the bill. And if it's a sailfish, a lot of the time you'll have a second person holding their sail up so you can get a beautiful spread of the sail. And that way you're still keeping the fish, um, getting water through its gills and, and, and keeping it safe and, and just giving it the best fighting chance to survive after you've released it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's the proper pr protocol in Florida too. And I know a lot of people don't necessarily follow that, but if you have any questions or information, the Billfish Foundation is always an awesome place to look. I love it that you actually have all this knowledge. Cause I mean, as a photographer, you're also having to be a, in the know of what are the rules? What is the protocol and what's the best safety measures for these fish. So I think it's actually yeah. pretty incredible that you also take the time to understand what's best as a outdoor photographer for the, for these fish. Yeah. And you know, um, I did a lecture in Denver at the Denver fly show, um, back in January. And one of the things I talked about was let's like take it back to fly fishing and trout. One of the things I said was, it, I'm the one asking for the photo. I'm the, I'm the one who's saying, I want a picture of this. So because of that, then the fish's health is now my responsibility. That's the way I look at it. So if I am asking someone to lift a trout out of the water for a photo, I better damn well be ready and able to get that image because now I'm putting that fish's life at risk. And that's what I, you know, comes back to saying about there's some fish that are more hardy. So bass, walleye, uh, pike, there's some fish that are just, I mean, they just will last a really long time. So you can be a, a lot more aware of how you're using them, how long you can keep them. They, we usually have like the wells we can put them in and pump oxygen through them. And in the bass world, they have this like nitro juice they pour in there and I have no idea what is, what's in it, but, um, you know, so there's, I'm the one who's putting the fish at risk. So when it comes to photographing trout fishing, I have to be very cognizant of that. So I want to give it the best possible chance. And because of that, I have kind of like, I try to keep a certain protocol when I'm photographing fly fishing and it's, um, trout fishing specifically if i am in the same boat as you and you hook into a big one let's get it in the net let's get your let's get our guide to um, pull the boat over to the side let's make sure it's safe make sure we can get out of the boat i want to get my angler out of the boat i want to get them to kneel down close to the water or kneel by the water let's just drop there's a way you can actually take your your net and get it right through the back side of your leg kind of through your legs and just under your knee 
That way you can actually hold your net just by holding it with your knee. And then I get the angler. I say, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to lift the fish at a 45 degree angle or a 90 degree angle or straight on. And then you're going to put them back in the water. And then I talk them through the process. I say, okay, lift the fish, put the fish down. Okay, lift the, okay, this time tilt the head a little bit more towards me, lift the fish, put the fish down. So you need to like be the quarterback of the photo shoot. And that is the best thing. If I can get those photos done within, um, you know, 30 seconds to 45 seconds at the most, and we continually have that fish in the water, best practice, obviously, with trout is to never lift the fish out of the water. But if, if you are requiring it, some companies, I need to have a reel that is close to a fish and they need it, you know, specific. So because of that, I mm-hmm. want to give it the best chance possible. So I try to be cognizant of that, be the quarterback, tell people really what you want and think about what images you want to take before you take them. First off, you're a pioneer for for the fly fishing for women, for photography. And it seems like you're really good about sharing that knowledge. If people are wanting to get in touch with you and learn more about your profession, or maybe just want to see what you do and your work, and maybe even purchase some of your items, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, so actually just a couple things. So I actually am running my very first um, outdoor content creator workshop for women this year. And it's based on the sports fishing industry. We have two full workshops. Um, They'll be launching. They were supposed to happen in uh, May, but now they'll be happening in September. But um, next year, 2021, um, I'll be doing it again. So I am booked up for this one. It's in Venice, Louisiana at my friends at Journey South Outfitters. And I'm taking out uh, two groups of four women in each group. And we're going to do two days on the water, learning how to shoot editorial, everything from like software file handling all the way to just, you know, shooting stills and imagery. And so next year, definitely um, keep an eye out for it. And I don't want to disclude guys because I, yeah, the majority of the people who follow me on Instagram or the majority of the questions I field are generally from men who want to know so i would like to do something uh jet that's co-ed maybe in montana or idaho next year a little closer to home too um uh, like a couple workshops and so basically the best way to follow me and the most up-to-date is my instagram it's my last name haydahl h-a-y-d-a-h-l photo and I'm the only uh, Jessica Hadel out there. So if you even get close to my name, usually you'll find me. Um, I unfortunately don't take the time to update my website very often. And um, but Facebook, uh, I do have uh, Jessica Hadel Photography Facebook page as well. But again, it's mo- it's everything's linked through um, Instagram. And Instagram just reposts on my Facebook. So um <laughs> And then I do try to put out some photo tips on my YouTube channel. I have like no followers, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, but I kind of just link to it and I do a whole bunch of, I have some tips up on like taking gear out, what I take with me on the river to go fly fishing, um, to go fly fishing and photographing fly fishing photography. And I have some fun tips for dropping lures in the water. And again, that's just under my name, Jessica Hadel. So um various avenues that you can kind of reach me at and i always love questions the only thing i ask is that if you are interested in buying a camera please just don't email me and say what camera should i buy because i have no idea what camera you should buy there's so many cameras (laughs) on the market but if you send me a message and say hey jess i i I love to photograph this this is what i want to do I want to shoot kind of with a longer lens because I want to be able to be further away from what I'm shooting. 
this is the amount of money I have. Do you think you might have a brand in mind? Then it's easier for me to be like, yeah, maybe this one, and then give you some ideas of maybe what you should then go and research. But a lot of people just ask me like, what <laughs> camera should I buy? Or what, what next, my favorite is, what's the next lens I should buy? And I'm like, I have no idea. I own 20 lenses. Like, I have no idea what next lens you should buy. So, um, so Again, I try to be as... if you're going to send some emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I try to be as polite back about it, but sometimes I get a little cheeky, I think. <laughs> Jessica, I appreciate you coming on the February room today with me. Thanks so much. And, and I really appreciate uh, the time and, and awesome to talk with you as well. For the inside scoop on the fly patterns we've discussed with our guest, check our blog for Flies of the February Room. If you would like to enter the February Room, shoot us an email at info at cdfishing.us. Also, remember to subscribe, share, and if we've earned it, give us those five stars. Thanks for dropping by, and remember to go fishing.